the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. For sports fans, there's no better place to get breaking news, real time commentary, and powerful stories than The Athletic. Download the app, follow your favorite teams and leagues, and get a personalized feed of exclusive ad free content. Visit theathletic.com slash spot track, S P O T R A C, for 40% off your first year subscription today. And of course, our friends at Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment providing financial solutions to, to athletes and top professionals in the entertainment industry. Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment strives to bring these professionals the financial solutions they need, including access to all the support for prospective NFL and NBA athletes through the draft process. Visit morganstanley.com slash GSE. That's morganstanley.com slash GSE. What a sports day we had yesterday. So much to get to. I'm going to slow things down just a little bit and kind of pick and choose what we go through. And we'll certainly roll back in a couple of weeks here and, and kind of see how the dust settled. But I'd be remiss if I didn't start with the Aaron Rodgers situation, which became finalized yesterday. And I have questions. <laughs> um, look, we, we knew it was coming. Adam Schefter's report was spot on. Um, I'll quickly verbalize what, what I have on the site right now. The 2023 year is a void year now. It will automatically void seven days before the 2023 league start, which basically means he cannot be franchise tagged. Okay? It means they've taken that window away from him. It will void before the franchise tag ever solidifies. Perfect. There's a salary boost in 2022, up to $26.4 million, which means almost $28 million, $29 million total. Here's what happened in 2021. Okay, Most of the $14.5 million base salary was restructured. He's got a $1.1 million base salary now for the rest of the season. The rest of that was turned into a signing bonus that was converted over the next three years Okay, in terms of cap purposes. So the Packers saved themselves $10 million of salary cap this year, but they added $9.6 million of dead cap to next season. There's now $26.8 million of dead cap for next year. They were pretty close to the cap when Aaron Rodgers decided to come back, and certainly when they acquired Randall Cobb from Houston. Okay, As of right now, I have the Packers with just under $10 million to work with on a top 51 basis which means you know they were at about two before the restructure kicked into place. So they certainly needed some breathing room. So I do understand the restructure from that regard, but they could have made this work elsewhere. They didn't have to do what they did. They didn't have to give Aaron Rodgers a $14 million cash in hand bonus right now. And they're not, by the way. They're taking that bonus, they're taking the roster bonus, and they're going to prorate it cash-wise over the course of the season. Okay, so he's going to get paid every two weeks all of this compensation, this $22.3 million, whatever it's going to be, throughout the whole season. So there, were, there wasn't the cash up front. It was just a base salary restructure for cap purposes for this year. Did you have to do it? Was this a concession that had to be built in to Aaron Rodgers coming back? It had to happen? Who are they going to add right now? Because if they don't, if they just roll into this and have used his cap space just to get some breathing room, it's acceptable, but I don't understand it. This is the move you make in February. And I realize they tried to make this move in February and Aaron Rodgers said, no, I want out. So I'm not faulting them for not making this move at the, at the right time. I just don't understand why it had to happen on July 29th. Because unless you're hoping to poach somebody else off, off a roster, 
or you're going to use this cap room for Devontae Adams, which I'm not even sure seems likely right now. I, I, I think the instability of Rodgers' position is going to make the Devontae Adams situation even harder. He's not going to concess. I mean, he's going to want a front-loaded $25 to $26 million contract, $50 million guaranteed over two years, third year guaranteed next year. He's going to want it all. He's going to want Michael Thomas plus Amari Cooper divided by DeAndre Hopkins. That's what he's going to want. And he's 29 years old, so he wants it now. If that's the reason you did this is we had to restructure to get some breathing room. We had to restructure because we got to get Devontae under contract to at least sweeten our position with Aaron Rodgers in hopes that he'll stay after 2021. I think that's reckless. Now, look, we've seen, we've seen teams take on $33 million dead cap hits. So if you're telling me that the Packers are going to take on $26.8 million next year to trade him in March, I guess I can't complain too much because that's what the rest of the league has started to do now. But it's $9.6 million more than it was two days ago. Okay, It was about 17 and change two days ago. So it's a little baffling in that regard. But I understand it. They're just playing ball here. They're doing, every, they're doing everything they have to do to keep this guy satisfied for the next six to eight months. And then they'll reassess things with him, with their organization in February. And if we have a Matt Stafford situation, then it'll be a Matt Stafford situation. And we'll know in the middle of February that Aaron is going to request a trade out. Here's the three or four teams he's going to go to. He's going to pick one. It's going to be Denver and he's going to go. Okay, so whatever. Uh, let me foreshadow how that's going to work. I just think from a dead cap standpoint, unless they make this trade June 2nd and they split the dead cap up over the over a two-year span, 2022-23, then I guess it's not so bad. But they didn't do themselves any favors with this restructure. They better have a plan of action for it, is my point, because I just don't see the need to do it right now. And if you were going to do it, did you have to do all $14.7 million? Like, couldn't this have been a $10 million restructure? How about an $8 million restructure? And then you and then you utilize other players' base salary restructures to nickel and dime yourself to safety into a little breathing room come week one. I'm just not sure it had to happen at this capacity. Why, why did this have to be part of the plan? You know, he didn't get any more money. There's no new cash built into this. And he's not getting any more cash up front because it was widely reported that the cash is going to be rolled out over the course of the season with an 18th game adjustment. I'm just a little confused. This is not the movie you make July 29th. It's the movie you make February 5th. Okay? That's just how that works. So unless they have another course of action where they're acquiring somebody to bring them in, or they really think they have it figured out with Devontae Adams, and they're going to front load a lot of caps you know, into his first two seasons, which in turn would have been a good reason to do what they did, unless those things are already set in stone, doing what you did to me was a little bit reckless for 2022. That's all I'm saying. But it's done, and he's here, and he's going to be the week one quarterback. And I know that's what all that matters to the Packers and to Packers fans. And the stuff I'm talking about is just nerdy minutia. But it's the stuff that I follow. That's all. Okay. There's timing. Okay. We're going to talk about timing in the NBA with Scott in a little bit and how the Lakers positioning is going to change over the next eight, eight to 10 days and how that blockbuster trade is going to matter. I'll say the same thing with the Max Scherzer situation in the Dodgers and how their tax payroll has been affected widely because of what they did and how they may be nickel and dime themselves a little bit going forward as, as the winter comes around. This just wasn't the, the, the normal time to do what they did with Aaron Rodgers, but I guess nothing about the situation with Aaron Rodgers was normal. But he's back, and I'm happy. He's one of my favorite players to watch on a weekly basis. I think he's been a little bit reckless with his contracts. If I want to give him a little bit of negative negativity from a financial perspective... I don't think I don't see the the need for him to constantly max out like he's done. And if this was his request, 
then that, that's a negative for me too. I don't, there was no need for this. Okay. There was no need for this unless Aaron Rodgers has said, you're going to restructure me here and you're going to, you're going to go get this guy off that roster and we're going to make it work. And we're going to have, you got to give me the weapons that I really want for 2021. And we're going to win this damn thing together one last time. If that's the case, I'm all in on this. Otherwise I have some skepticism. Let's talk some basketball and baseball with Scott. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Balanced Bridge Funding, providing cost-friendly capital solutions to professional athletes since 2015. Balanced Bridge has dedicated professionals who understand the industry and are ready to customize a repayment plan catered to your client's situation and financial objectives. Borrow wisely and cost-effectively, avoid broker fees, and get no prepayment penalties if you decide to pay it all back early. Whether your client is under contract and simply needs a bridge against guaranteed money, a free agent looking for a new contract, or looking to borrow for any other reason, let Balanced Bridge get a look, provide a solution, and be a resource for you and your client today. Visit balancedbridge.com. All right, Scott, welcome back to the show. Maybe the busiest sports day, I don't know, ever yesterday in terms of movement and rumors and trades and obviously the draft. We're here to talk a little NBA. The Lakers certainly preceded the draft, so let's get to them first. Did you see this one coming? There were some rumors about Russ. There were a lot of rumors about the Lakers, but the finances really didn't add up because as we saw what happened yesterday, the Lakers were going to have to forfeit half of their active roster to get a player like Westbrook in the door. It happened. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Westbrook, it sounded like was going to be their plan B after, you know, some, some other moves and, and to proceed this, it was yeah, it's a big, rumored it's a bit that a, Buddy Heald. Yeah, that, that, which is interesting because that's yin and yang <laughs> here, right? <laughs> it really is. And that came out first. It was all about, oh, Buddy Heald, Sacramento. There might be something going on there. And then all of a sudden they they shifted and the Westbrook information came out. It, almost at the same time when Harrell was reported that he was opting into his uh, player option. So uh, it, it sort of domino affected and then so they threw in kuzma caldwell pope harrell for westbrook and the math works out because harrell opted into that sure, play, sure. player uh option so you know it's a what lot do they to do? give up it's a it's, it's a, a lot, lot to give up because yeah because now their roster is going to be consisting of lebron ad westbrook marcus saul and McKinney, and then you've got all your cap holes. So, if yeah, you bring let's back talk about it. Games. What do they have, Scott, now? Five players? One, yeah, two, they're going to end up having five active roster players once this is... Okay, you need at least 12, and those five players are going to cost probably upwards, probably over at this point, right? So you're on minimums at this point. You're on... Uh, minimums uh, plus your exception. Your exception. So someone's coming in at about $9.5 million. It better be a shooter, right? It better, better be. Or, or, or a point guard. <laughs> I, I guess, but I mean, Russ and LeBron are going to dominate the ball here. I, I like, let me put it this way, I, not to get down the analysis train too much, but I, I like the, the Westbrook fit here for the fact that he can be both, he can, he can be coverage at the rim, which we've seen late in his career here. I mean, he is a re- rebound machine and that will take some of the pressure off AD and LeBron to have to be, you know, killing each other in the paint. 
which is how they get injured in the first place at their current stage of their career. So I like it from that standpoint. And certainly there are days that Russ can take over. But Russ ain't sitting behind the three-point line and shooting you know, with any kind of efficiency. And that was the biggest issue that they had last year, if there was going to be an issue on this Lakers outside of injuries. The Buddy Heald conversation at least made sense in that regard. Who the heck are they going to bring in at, at a $9.5 million exception to fill that role, Scott? Do you have any kind of, kind of gauge on this? No, I don't. Keith Keith may have a better sense yeah, of who we'll put him on task fit. to kind of write a piece with some with some options, I guess, because I'm not I'm just not sure it's enough. If if is my takeaway here, I like it. It's aggressive, but the conversation that we started here, Scott, which was it started at Buddy Heald, it ended up at Russell Westbrook, and maybe there was a a Bradley Beal, maybe there was another you know somebody else in this conversation in between. It just feels reactionary, doesn't it? It feels like we had to get somebody. This was out there. We did it. Yeah, absolutely. And to, to piggyback on that, th- this cannot process until August because yeah. of the option in. So this isn't even going to go official until August 6th at the earliest. What does that mean so, for the Lakers? Does that mean they can make moves prior to that? Or are they going to wait to process this and then fill out their roster? No, they, they can make uh, they can make some signings. They're already over. Yeah. So the. Th- the thing that they'll just have to be careful about is if they do a sign and trade to bring somebody in, not that they have much to do a sign and trade with, but they can't, they have no more players. left. (laughs) Well, they could, if they did like a sign and trade with Schroeder to, to somewhere else and they sign and trade a player to bring back in that essence. But, um, that would hard cap them. So it, it does matter as far as timing. It just depends on who else are they going to bring in? Yeah. You know, you're right, Scott. That's a piece I forgot about here. Um, that is a chip. That's an asset they have right now. Now that they've filled the point guard position with Russ, they can go and flip a Schroeder to a team that's looking to, to build up from the ground here. Maybe even a Miami, right? Who, who's looking to replace that position. They'll be in the Kyle Lowry sweepstakes. You're, that's a... And that could be a Duncan Robinson situation now that I can continue that thought. I, you're right. That That's a chip they hold right now over the next week and a half or so as they uh, as they look to fill this thing out. But they, I'll tell you one thing right now. They are not going to be a deep team. <laughs> no, not <laughs> at all. Not going to be. A de- so if it, injuries it, were a concern last year, look out this year. Yeah, exactly. The only thing that they really have going for them is Russell has been pretty healthy yeah. you know he's played almost every game that i can remember so that that at least helps them in the long run if he can stay healthy and and james or davis have an injury moving forward you at least have that extra piece i agree with you that this is an aggressive move was it the smart move time will tell but you know i i, I think the writing must have been on the wall or, you know, some back conversations that Chris Paul was not going to come to the Agreed. Lakers Agreed. because otherwise I don't think this trade happens when it did. So something must have been known that there was no chance and they just needed to move on. And that's why we heard healed and then pivoted to Westbrook. For all of you saying, by the way, that Chris Paul was too expensive for the Lakers, Russell Westbrook has the exact same cap hit coming in. So <laughs> it's the exact same deal. Um, they made it work. So uh, honestly, uh, for those of you who think something's impossible in the NBA, we have been proven time and time again that almost nothing is impossible in this league. There is so much movement. There is so much maneuvering. The timing can all be processed properly to make things squeeze in here and there. Um, This is a system that just runs 
with a soft cap and nobody really cares about it. And that's just, that's just life. Some teams sort of care about the luxury tax. Most teams don't. (laughs) Okay. We're going to have probably a half dozen this year over probably at or over that tax threshold out of the gate. And I would imagine many of them are are in it to win it and don't really care about the finances at the end of the day. That's just how this league operates. And we're going to talk MLB in a little bit here, Scott, which couldn't be more different right now. And even after the craziness we saw yesterday in that league, there's a lot of financial sense. You know, there's a lot of financial logic to what happened in Major League Baseball to where here it's we need a player. I don't care that he's worth forty four and a half million. Let's get that guy right now. We'll salvage our roster somewhere else. That's what the Lakers are doing now for the next two weeks. They're salvaging seven positions on this roster with basically nothing to work with. Who else made a splash yesterday, Scott? Uh, there were a couple few trades that, you know, yeah. sort of moved the needle, but not too much. I mean, we had real off the bat, Landry Shamit was traded to... Under, under uh, the radar move. To Phoenix. And, and I like that move. Yeah. It's, it's an upgrade. It's some more depth. Um, and right. I, so, I, I assume that that means Chris Paul and or campaign stay and Shaman is simply a third option because they want depth for those two players. Correct. I um, agree. What I think it's more telling from Brooklyn standpoint, don't you? Uh, maybe, you know, they, they need to make some moves to probably help their luxury tax situation. So this could be a, a shift in that direction. Yeah. And then um, they had some picks that they had that they acquired. Let me put it this way, though. Kyrie was was certainly not reliable last year. And Bruce Brown is a notable RFA right now. And we talked with Keith about how there could be some gamesmanship with that position coming into the next couple of days. I just think there's a chance they get a little thin here. That's all I'm saying. you you want to say it's a luxury tax move, and I'm going to tell you, if I've got Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving in my roster, I do not give a rat's ass about the luxury tax. Because right? well, I am in to win for three years with those players. I don't even care what it costs. Yeah, and it, it may cost them quite a bit if they extend all three here in, yeah. in a few days. So <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see where Maybe that Maybe a little bit up. of common sense, but I think it's a little bit of a dangerous move on their point. I like Shaman. I've liked him wherever he's landed. I thought he's been a good complimentary player. Maybe they think that, you know, maybe they know Bruce Brown's there to stay. They've got a, an extension figured out for him, and they like him in that position more than they like Shamit going forward. So I get it from their yeah. standpoint, from a draft standpoint as well. But I think that one got pushed under the radar because of the Lakers, because of all the baseball craziness. And and then, and let me get your thoughts on this quickly. We had Woj tipping picks at like 2 p.m. Eastern. I, I, I don't remember that happening. Do you? Not that early. I Not mean, that early. It, the draft it, is on his network and he's tipping picks hours early. I, I, I just... I. That one threw me off. It was certainly a foregone conclusion it, at number one, but we had basically the one, two, and three figured out before dinner. <laughs> yeah, especially that first pick. And, you know, it, leading up it was, oh, they're still deciding. And then all of a sudden it was they're taking Cade. And all right, so we already know number one. So now it's a jockeying if if two and three yeah. and four want to have any yeah, but movement then the, there. But then the, the green and Mobley picks are basically out there as well. And the only reason I bring it up, Scott, is these networks and these leagues are now directly tied to gambling. They're directly tied to sports books. 
Yeah. You've got sports books trying to funnel in last minute, do- you know, dollars. Nobody's taking the Cade Cunningham. I believe he was like negative 10,000. But, you know, there's some jockeying proposition. Where's the first trade going to be? All that stuff. I-, I can't imagine that these sports books were pleased with, you know, the main point in the- at ESPN putting these picks out. Now, maybe it was if he doesn't do it, the athletics going to do it first or something. But still, there's some integrity stuff to go with this now. And I wonder how, how quickly that stuff is going to change with all of these drafts, with all of these free agent negotiation periods. If, these, if, if the sports books are looking to make money off of this and there's a hard, fast deadline to when those bets can be taken until, I wonder when these mouths are going to get shut on social media from the inside. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point because or the sports books are just going to have a, a disclaimer that says five hours beforehand, we're locking picks and you can't yeah. pl- place any bets. Which early is too enough. bad, you know, which is too bad because it's it's going to take a lot of the action away. A lot of these people like to do it last minute when they see the yep. odds kind of move around or if there's rumblings that the Lakers going to make a move like that. What does that mean for the rest of the draft? There's just a lot of domino effects. So that's the first thing I thought of when I saw Woj putting a couple of picks out there early. Um, Number one, I was just surprised because it's not like him. Usually he's using all sorts of language to kind of get around saying what he's trying to say. And number two, I thought about the gambling aspect. So I wonder how that how that changes going forward. Anything else stand out? I mean, the, the Magic had two picks. The Warriors had two picks. I'll be perfectly honest with you. I was so headstrong in Aaron Rodgers and Major League Baseball and my own daughter's doubleheader yesterday that... Uh, I didn't follow this draft too much. So I'm, I'm deferring to you here, the NBA as expert. Uh, how did this thing look? Who kind of made the quick, you know, the, the smarter picks who maybe reached a little bit, just kind of give me a quick analysis before we move on here. I think Orlando had a really nice, uh, draft here at number five and number eight, at, at least, you know, they, they got Jalen Suggs, they got Franz Wagner, uh, speaking with, Keith, during the, the draft, he really liked those moves. Um, you know, Golden State, for what they had at 7 and 14, sounds like they had a really good draft for, you know, where they're going to be because there were all the rumors of, is Golden State going to move those picks, try to get Beal? What are they going to do? They ended up taking those picks. And yeah. from Who, everything that I'm reading. Kaminga, right? I mean, Kaminga is kind of like the most polarizing figure in this draft right now. Yeah, but I think the upside is tremendous for them if if he can hit. So I think that works out really well. Um, for for the most part as a whole, you know, it, it was a quiet night in the second half. There yeah. weren't a lot of trades. Even in the first round, there were a few jockeying of positions for for certain picks, but we did not have the crazy during draft trades that everyone was sort of expecting. And it sort of went chalk for the most part out there. Th- there were some reaches where there were some players that uh, weren't best available and were right. way down on the list. And, you know, they moved, you know, and then there were players that, you know, from the analysts, they were saying that, High ceiling has some work. Um, so I, I agree it, with you. The, 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 the stuff that I was listening to as well, probably the, mostly the same stuff you did. All the names that kind of moved up and down a little bit were being reported as such. You know, Josh Giddy was the international. Keith said it on our show last week, Scott. Josh Giddy was the international player that could really push up this board because of his high ceiling. He did. Sam Presti took him at six. Right. I think the Davion Mitchell was the one who may slip a little bit. But it, to me, that's one of the most interesting picks of the whole first round. The fact that he went to the King Scott, when all this talk has been with Darian Fox, is he going to be, you know, Darian Fox, is he going to be the guy there for long term? 
or is he going to become a chip? Does this put De'Aaron Fox on notice, Scott? Maybe not no. this year, but maybe next year, right? Don't you you got to see what this kid can do first because there's a lot of uh, red flags with him. But I, I have to think that they're not 100% satisfied with with Fox as their point man going forward. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that. I guess we'll have to see how he can, how they're going to work him in with Fox and Halliburton, mm-hmm. and if Field is still there. You know, we'll see how he gels. It always takes a few years for these guys, especially the point guard. The point guard usually takes five to six years for them to really figure out the game in the NBA. So having having Mitchell now, mm-hmm. it, it may be you know a four year process and see where Fox is, and he learns from Fox and goes down that road and potentially is the the way that the Kings go. Um, but I, they wanted depth in that position, so. I, you can't fault that. No, it's safe. It's safe. Even if he's not, you know, a, a super high ceiling player. Um, just looking quickly, we talked to Golden State. What were they going to do? Were they going to kind of push for their future? Or were they going to try to solidify some pieces for now? It's the latter, in my opinion. Uh, they, maybe they reached a little bit on Kaminga. Like I said, he's got, uh, he, he was kind of the biggest yin and yang in this draft. And, and I like that they took a flyer on him at seven because he could become an Andrew Wiggins replacement kind of immediately. I mean, he could become your big man wing uh, maybe in a year and a half, maybe two years. But the Moses Moody pick was so safe. <laughs> Don't you think? That was just going to be the, this guy's going to drop in and do his thing as, as a depth yes. player immediately. I think it's the perfect fit for the Warriors. Because well, spe- you got a little coverage for Clay. You got a little, you know what I mean? I, I do. And and this is actually, it may work out really well for Golden State as far as a pivot. Yeah. You know, you have Curry, Thompson comes back. Draymond Green, he, you know, you can still trade of, Wiggins at some point now, too, is my point. You could still tra- trade Wiggins. But now that you have Wiseman, you have Kaminga, you have Moody, you're sort of starting to restockpile the your young kids versus your veteran kids. And you're and then they can bring in or decide on what they want to do with their mid-level exception. Do they want to retain some of these guys that have non-guaranteeds? You have a Kelly Oubre that you could potentially do a sign and trade with someone and bring some pieces back or just re-sign Ubre and see where that gets you for another year. So they have a lot of options. I really like what they did, especially pivoting from the fact that everyone was slotting them to have a, a path to Beal, but that seems to be squashed now. So I, I, I like what they did to, re-up their roster coming in behind all the vets that they have. Okay, two things on the NBA NBA before we get out of here. Um, All these first-round picks that were made last night, they've already been put in as cap holds for these teams. And they'll remain a a cap hold until they officially sign, after which they'll they'll flip to the active roster. But for all intents, they count towards the cap. They have been counting towards the cap as a cap hold, right? Yes, they do. They do not. And and if, if they, there's a draft and stash kind of guy that cap hold will stay there as soon as these players in the first round sign they have a 30-day trade restriction and um so that that has come into play with the andrew wiggins trade back when he was on cleveland where he didn't sign it and then they were able to trade him right away for kevin love so there is some jockeying but as soon as uh, the new league year starts here, they can sign those rookie scale extensions. Okay. Or the rookie scale contracts. Yeah, these, right. These first rounders. 
and then the second thing is we, we talked the, the Lakers trade. We talked about how that's not going to process till at least August 6th. Is that correct? Yeah, because of how the math works and the opting in and, and, and all of that. Some of these trades were able to process right away. Some aren't going to be like the Valanchunas, Adams, Bledsoe. That's not going to be able to be official until August 6th. Um, okay, so and just to, just to give you a heads up, if you're looking at the site, if you're looking at the Lakers page right now, what Scott's done is he's built basically a pending table. Um, so, so that we've, we've made note that this trade is happening. It's going to happen. We've, we show you that the incoming outgoing salaries for every player involved, but those, those aren't being factored into the active cap situation for the Lakers. As of yet, if you're looking at the active roster on the Lakers, you're still going to see KCP Kuzma and Harold there. You're not going to see Russ there until that August 6th, 7th, whenever this, this finalizes, but there is a bit of a pending table so you can see what's to come. And that's going to happen with maybe a half dozen of these teams by the time we get to August 6th in that league year, because timing is everything. It's, it's all about when you want to want to process cap, what you want to keep, stay over cap in a lot of cases so that you get, a, you get a certain amount of exception work. Um, but just so your heads up, if you're, if you're looking at the Lakers and you see, you know, an extra table and you don't see Russ Westbrook on the cap, that's why we are, we're sort of teasing the fact that it's about to happen, but we're not going to officially activate it until it really becomes official. Right. Yep, you got it. Anything and, else? And, say, and subsequently, if you go into the roster manage tool of each team, right. the new players, Russell Westbrook, will not show on the Lakers. It's still going to be their roster. So if you still want to process that trade to see if it works, which it does. Yeah, uh, use the trade tool. Still, run the exact trade that just happened. You'll see how the money all kind of kind of switches correct. from here and out, in and out. Yep, good call. All right, Scott, let's switch gears real quick because, like I said, I was – Kind of uh, on family <laughs> on, on family time yesterday during this sports rush. Oh, and uh, yeah, you, you it, were it, uh, yeah you were tasked insane, with, insane. with entering many of these baseball trades <laughs> in. So uh, you're as close to these trades now as I am, and and I you know spent a bunch of my, of, of my evening going through these, understanding them, uh, working out the finances. I did post an updated Major League Baseball luxury tax ranking this morning on Twitter. That's live on spytrack.com as well. That's really where a lot of this is turning to, right? So the Dodgers made these ridiculous moves yesterday, really three moves. Um, the Danny Duffy one could be as important as any of them. And they loaded up two, two starting pitchers, top of the rotation, starting pitchers in Duffy and Scherzer. Um, a, I guess a new second baseman in Trey Turner. <laughs> now that Corey Seager's back in the fold, which is unbelievable. Seager's a free agent after this year. Trey Turner's not a free agent until two more years. So, you know, it's not about just this year, but the, but having Trey Turner in the fold next year is going to be just as vital to this team to continue to try to make possibly three-peat at that point. Huge moves. The Nationals are, are fire selling. Um, I expect the Cubs to continue to fire sell. They've, they've certainly sent two big pieces out in Anthony Rizzo and Ryan Tapera. I expect Chris Bryant to go. I expect Craig Kimball to go. I expect Zach Davies to go. Um, the Nationals, I think, have two more pieces that you mentioned last night to me, Scott, that are probably going to move today. The Blue Jays are in. The Padres are still in. The Giants are going to be in. The Mets and the Phillies are going to be in. The Yankees may be in on another pitcher, by the way. So, you know, we've got four or five more hours here of this trade deadline at the time we're recording this. I haven't seen anything hit yet, but as our uh, good buddy Andrew Brand always says, Scott, deadlines spur actions. Things are yes, going to happen. Do. Things are going to happen. There's probably a half dozen more trades to come here. Um, just your initial thoughts 
Um, now that you've had, now that you got to see how the sausage is made with these trades inside the finances, your initial thoughts on how this is all going down? There's an arms race. <laughs> you know, you're right. It's a really good point to bring up because when when because the West as soon is, as, when the West is is rolling like this, the West are, are the teams that pay, Scott. The, yeah, they the are. Yankees and the Red Sox have not been paying over the past couple of years. They're starting to get back into it here, but you're right. It's because the California teams are winning. If they weren't winning, none of this would have happened. Yeah, and, and, and I made the comment to you, the Dodgers made this move, so San Diego's up because it's since the last six months, it's been, I'm going to make this move, now you're going to make this move, and then back and forth, back and forth, and then no lie, like an hour later after the... How about, Scherzer, how about that? How about that? The Padres are, are reportedly working to get Max Scherzer, and then the Dodgers say, hold my six-pack. <laughs> and not only do they get Scherzer, they get the shortstop with them, the all-star shortstop. Well, that and San Diego's, all right, we're going to go get the closer from the Nationals, yeah. and, and Nationals are just ripping the Band-Aid off, and now Gomes, it sounds like he's going to be gone, and then Harrison could potentially be gone. So they're they're all in on their fire sale. Yeah. But you're right, out west, it's next man up. It sounds like the Oakland A's are going to try to get somebody. Uh, you made the comment of the the Giants. Sounds like you know yeah. your what your guess was for the Giants to make a move. So it, it is an absolute arms race. And yeah, look, it's gonna I'll just give you the names, right? It's Chris Chris Bryant's still out there. Um, Luke Voigt is now a trade piece because Anthony Rizzo has supp supplanted him in New York. There's no question that Kyle Gibson at Texas is a piece. Jose Barrios from Minnesota is a piece. Trevor Story and Javi Baez are two shortstops that still could move. I mentioned Kimbrell. Uh, Richard Rodriguez from Pittsburgh, a, a reliever. There's at least a dozen names out there that I could throw off the top of my head that probably could move in the next four hours. So, And you're right. It's, it's teams on that West Coast. San Diego is going to have to probably do something else here. The Giants certainly will do something to try to keep pace. They're they're the division leaders here. Let's let's not forget that. As are the Mets. Um, the Yankees. How much? Look at the Yankees did. I, I don't know that this is going to make the Yankees contenders or even close to contenders this year. But this this to me seems like we're putting our foot down in the sand. Finally, this this post George Steinbrenner situation that has gone so moneyball in the Bronx. To a, to a fault. It has not worked. Okay. And I'm not saying they have to be the Dodgers and spend 270 against their tax payroll, but they should be pretty damn close to that. They should be. I mean, that's what they do. And that has been successful for them. And that, and they have the money and the funds to hold the American League up in that regard. This to me is we're not that good, but we're going to show people that we mean business, not just this year, but going forward. So I, I hope it's a calling shot to the rest of the league. Right. And I was just going to say, how much of this arms race, I want to get this player, I want to get that player, is not only for right now to win the World Series, yeah. but knowing that the CBA and a potential lockout is pending, we want to have these players in our system so that if there are massive changes to whatever is going to happen, we already have them uh, under our... Uh, tutelage. Yeah. Why not? Coaching staff. Who knows what free agency is going to look like next year, when it's even going to happen if there right. is a lockout. So yeah, get, get the guys you want for the next two, three years in your doors. 
And when the league figures itself out, it might just be easier for everybody to re-sign where they are. It's a pretty good point, Scott. Well, and then the other thing that I was thinking of as I was reading some things and piecing together, you know, the Nationals fire sailing, you know, they didn't want to pay Trey. Max was going to be a free agent. Sounds like we'll, we'll see what they do with Soto, but mm-hmm. they're bringing all these pieces around and if they can extend Soto and go from there. But, you know, we, we've seen this before with the Miami Marlins, with the, you know, Colorado Rockies, you know, they, they get to a point, they win, then they have to fire sale everything off. Yep. And then you've got the complete opposite where the Dodgers win. We're just going to keep pushing the chips all in and we, we don't care what we're going to pay. This, this league is, is fascinating from a financial standpoint because you have those teams that even Washington, where you have, you're, you're in a big city and you have the fans that are going to come to the games, yet you're still fire sailing. And and my son, I, I prepped him the last couple days saying, Hey, just so you know, Trey Turner may get traded. And he goes, what does that mean? Because that's his favorite, favorite player. Right. And I said, and then I had to prep him and say, Hey, he might get traded. And then he did get traded. And I said, Max got traded too. And he goes, what the heck is going on? <laughs> and so I, I had to prep him because he being nine years old, didn't really understand what being traded meant. So I had to explain what that meant. And then he goes, Oh my gosh, what is going on? And then I kept saying, Oh, that they, they traded some more players. And he's like, what is going on? I, I hate this. And that's what he said. He, I, I hate this. And I said, I, I, I get it. I understand. I love it, Scott. It, well, it, it, it's, <laughs> it's really good for business. <laughs> it, it is good for business and it's the nature of the beast. And this, what just happened in the last 48 hours for major league baseball is what the NBA does all season. This is what the major league baseball needs as a selling point all year. And the movement is great. That's what they need because the NBA, the movement is always being talked about. We're talking about who's going to be traded six months from now. And it isn't even on somebody's roster because they're going to be a free agent. So two things can help it. We've talked about one, the salary floor, the cap floor, force these teams to spend. I mean, with the, uh, the tax payrolls I just put out, Scott, if you didn't see it on Twitter, the Dodgers are projecting at 276. The Indians are at 65. There's a $210 million difference between 1 and 30 right now. And that's just how this this league is operating. So fix that. Make people spend you know X percent of the tax payroll on an annual basis or maybe every two to three years. And B, shorten these contracts up. I just said it. Deadline spur actions. The deadline could also be free agency. That's why these players are moving. They're either on an expiring contract or they're a year and a half away from an expiring contract. And if there's a if there's a if there's knowledge that that player is not going to stay long term, a la Mookie Betts last year, right? Get get rid of the guy early, six months early, so that you can get the most value and the best prospect pulled back. If a guy's on a thirteen year contract, it's not even in consideration, really in this league that that guy's getting moved. But when you've got, you know, Russell Westbrook with two years left net two years, 91 million, the 91 million is not even that big that the storyline it's that he's always oh, only got two years left. You know, we could bring him to the Lakers for two years. That's a nice fit for the, the finish of LeBron's career. You can't do that with John Carlos Stanton's eight years left. You know what I mean? He doesn't fit in the, in the now window. He fits in the forever window. And that makes that player so unattractive. So to me, you just got to shorten these things up. And I hope that's one of the things that comes out of it. The agents don't like to hear that. The players might might not like to hear that either. But you're right. This is the start of what what 
modern sports business looks like. Superstars moving because A, their contracts are expiring or B, it's just not a good fit to sit on your current team and, and piss away money. You know what I mean? Like there are bigger fish that will spend money and those teams are not being shy about it. I love it. Yeah, I agree. And that's why the NBA has their four year and five year limit Correct. for whether you stay with a, your team or you go to another team, because that forces the movement at least every four or five years. And as they get towards the end of the contract, oh, I want those rights. And sure. to a certain extent, the cap maximum, they do have a cap floor in the NBA, but the cap maximum is essentially that floor because everyone wants to be there with the rights and, and retain some of those exceptions and not lose their trade exceptions. And so it, it forces those teams to at least want to be at the cap maximum and above. And then at least that luxury tax is a little bit more stringent. Um you know, at, at this point, you know, you have teams just that for comparison don't care. purposes. What do you think the difference between one and 30 in cash was last year in the NBA? There's your trivia um, question of the day. <laughs> probably within 100 to 120 million dollars. It's 80 less, a little less than 80. 80. The Golden State yeah. Warriors spent 170 million dollars. The Sacramento Kings spent, spent 91 and change. So. It's certainly not as deep. That's for sure. It's certainly not as deep, but it's uh, it remains to be seen what the players can get done here in the next 12 months. But you're right. The the looming lockout, the the fact that the big teams are acting like big teams again in this league in Major League Baseball. It's good news. It's a good start. It, it gets us in the right direction. I, I applaud oh. the Yankees. And, you know, as a Mets fan, <laughs> that, is, that is not easy for me to do. I applaud the, the Yankees for doing what they just did in a situation where they probably can't win. They got blown out like 13 nothing last night, Scott, amidst all of these moves. They are, they are not a good team. They are not a playoff team, but they're still acting like the Yankees right now. And I think, it's a, like I said, it's a, it's a line in the sand that we are done trying to be the Oakland Athletics, and we're going to start being the New York Yankees again. Yeah, and it sets them up for the future. Like I said, you you bring Rizzo in, you get him to know your coaching staff, and then you you sell him on being a Yankee, yep. and then you can re-sign him and go from there. And if they make any other trades, then so be it. But you know, I was watching our our live analytics as as players were trending up and down, and where in the United States people were were looking at these players from. And you're right, it's those big cities. Yeah. It was. New York and Washington, and then it, Los Angeles and California, West Coast. And so if those big market teams in the Major League Baseball are winning, it's going to force eyes. And it's those a regionalized sport and, unless those teams are, are stepping up to the plate. You know absolutely. what I mean? And when they do, everybody takes notice. It's just so important for the league, for them to be contending, to be winning, and to be spending money. I'll say one more thing on this, Scott, uh, with Anthony Rizzo specifically. Don't forget, don't forget that the Yankees are the team that traded Araldus Chapman to the Cubs. The Cubs went and won a World Series with them. And then Chapman re-signed back with the Yankees in free agency that very next winter. Don't forget that this winter when Anthony Rizzo is out there looking for another team. Could be a little bit of payback in play here. That's all I'm saying. The Yankees may have just uh, given up some prospects for Anthony Rizzo for a team that can't win, only to have Rizzo re-sign with the Cubs. That's, that it, could happen, by the way. It, 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 and, and do you think teams 
internally plan that with the player to some extent Look, saying we're going to trade possible. you we're going to get some pieces to make us better and then you come back I, I don't know if that's collusion to a certain extent but you know I, you've got to think that even the, if you say it out loud you can't happen. get it in writing and and so many things can happen that can change the perception of it right like yeah like right. i'm sure mike rizzo talked to, to max scherzer about that very thing you know Hey, we'd love to have you back in a couple of months here. We're trying to do right by you, let you go out to a team that can actually win this thing this year. But, you know, come talk to us December 1st. We'd love to bring you back to finish your career with us. You can say that out loud right now. And he can say, man, I'd love to do that. That sounds great. But guess how easy it's going to be to fall in love with the Dodgers? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. Let me ask you this real quick, because I saw you pose the sort of a question on Twitter with this. Do you think this Scherzer Turner is like the blockbuster trade of, you know, the century? Uh, I know some people kick back some other ideas, but, Hmm. you know, this was this was this was a big one. I don't know that I can put one out there that really matches it. I mean, you're talking about multiple Cy Youngs. Trey, Trey Turner's an annual MVP candidate. I think he would have been this year if not for a couple of injuries. Um, yeah, I, I have to say it's way up there. And the, another tweet I put out yesterday, Scott, on, on the cusp of Scherzer being traded is, is Max Scherzer's contract with the, with the Washington Nationals all those years ago, it has to go down as one of the biggest, best free agent contracts in the history of the sport ever. And I had a couple of people right back with, uh, with Randy Johnson and a couple of those pitchers back in those days. And, and they're right. Randy Johnson won four straight Cy Youngs after signing with Arizona. So I'm certainly not going to discount that one. But what Max Scherzer did after winning a Cy Young in Detroit and then walking in free agency to, to the Washington organization on that kind of contract with a team that wasn't paying that kind of money, they just weren't doing that yet. This was a total flyer um, to get a, an ace pitcher in when everybody else was paying home for home runs. You know what I mean? Like the, yes. like the, the Nationals zagged at that point and it worked out gangbusters and they got their World Series because of it. So I, uh, I'm i not going to discount what Max Scherzer did and meant to that Nationals organization. And it's why your point has to be at least considered, you know, will he really go back there and sign a two-year three extension or a free agent contract to finish his career there because of what they did for him and, and in turn, how well it went. It's something to think about for sure. But yeah, we can, we can certainly have an off season discussion about the, the, the biggest and best trades and how that worked out for either side. I'm certainly not going to grade this one yet. If you, uh, if, if you'll hear, yeah, me. I, I'm, I'm not into that. I'll tell you what the what, money was, but I'm not going to grade it right now. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I wasn't looking for a grade. And then the last thing I'll say is if, if, Scherzer going to the Dodgers and they win. Yeah. It it's an interesting recipe that has been happening yeah, over the, the last few move. years with with get, acquiring that veteran yeah. pitcher. We saw it with the Astros and Verlander and Granky mm-hmm. and you know it, it, it's an interesting trend it, it, for these teams that are ready to go all in and they just need to plug that last piece in to get over the hump. We'll see if that can happen. Very rarely does adding home runs at the deadline get you to the World Series. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. It's almost always a number two, a number three starting pitcher that ends up just absolutely you know, solidifying their position on your roster and making that playoff run for you. So yeah, the the Dodgers have certainly done everything they needed to do here. I would be surprised if there's more, unless they're looking to shed a little bit of payroll here in the last couple of hours, which would make a little bit of sense. They're quite a bit over at this point. But 
they're doing what big teams do. And I'm glad that all the big teams and including Boston, I expect Boston to be one of the teams making a move here in the next few hours, which means pretty much everybody in their major mar- market will have done something big at the deadline here. It's good stuff for Major League Baseball. It's got good stuff by you yesterday, keeping track of everything and bailing me out. And uh, obviously keep up on this NBA stuff with Keith as things turn into the new league year next week. All right. Sounds good. My thanks to Scott. My thanks to The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash track for 40% off your first year subscription to Balanced Bridge. Financial solutions for current athletes under contract, free agents looking for a new contract, or any professional athlete looking to borrow for any reason. Visit balancedbridge.com. And of course, put together your financial solutions, NBA new, new NBA draftees at morganstanley.com slash GSE. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Track Podcast. <laughs>